So we're in kind of a different series of messages in January here at our church. We're uh, talking about the vision and the future of Scottsdale Bible Church and, and kind of setting the tone for the rest of the year, if not for the next few years or even a couple decades of our church. And I got to tell you, these, these are harder messages for me. I don't know how they are for you because I, I'm used to either preaching through a book in the Bible or at least doing some kind of message that, that you feel like directly benefits you. And, and I hear that often. Somebody will say when I get done preaching, gosh, Pastor, that was great. I felt like you were talking right to me. And, you know, I go, well, I, I really wasn't. But, I mean, I, I am trying to talk to all of us about our individual lives and how we can know God. I mean, that, that's why I got into this in the first place was because Jesus Christ got a hold of my life and, and I want to help other people uh, find Christ in their lives and then grow in their faith. And so when we do messages where we're talking about more the overall vision of the church, I know those are not as felt need as some of the other messages we do here. And, and yet the reason I tell you all that this morning and for Cactus and for the venue is because as much as these might not feel as felt need, these are really important messages for the lifeblood of Scottsdale Bible Church and for you and for me. And, and so I almost got up here this morning today and said, asked you two lead-in questions. The first question would be, do you love God? And all of you would say, yeah, I hope so. And, and if not, we'll help you do that. And then the second question I was going to ask you was, do, do you love your church? And you might say, not as much as God, but I get that. You, you love your church. And, and, and so if those two things are true for you, that, then, then I think you're going to be very interested in where we're going today. Because last Sunday we talked about what we need to do on this campus as we move forward as a church. And today, I want to talk to us about what we need to do as a church when it comes to expanding into our community and into our world. And it really will affect a lot of us in the future more than we think. So with that said, we're going to dive into the Word here real shortly. And so why don't you bow with me and let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that both of those have come to us in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you know my heart. If you had not uh, saved me 31 years ago and called me uh, to help others, I, I wouldn't be up here today. I got into this because I want to help people know you. And yet, Lord, knowing you involves your church and involves the community of faith. So we need to talk about how that fits into our future as well. So give us wisdom. May we rightly divide the word of truth here this morning and understand who you are and what you have called us to be as the body of Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that people in my circles, and by my circles I mean pastoral circles, debate on and on, almost ad nauseum today, is what is going to be the future of the evangelical church in America? Is it waning or is it on an uphill climb? Is it like water over the bridge already or water under the bridge and, and, and just not redeemable or is there a great future for the church? And you can read articles on both sides of the fence. It all depends on how you view the statistics and what your personal theology of the church is and all of that. But I smile sometimes when pastors are talking about these things because I remind them that one thing is inarguably true right now in America, and that is that no matter how you slice it, we are still one of the most churched countries in the entire world. And, and, and that's true. And we know that from statistical analysis, and we know that from visiting other places in the world. 
There are 350,000 churches in the United States right now. Let that sink in a minute. 350,000 churches, and the worst polling shows that about 25% of Americans go to church on a regular basis, but the best sh polling shows that about 45 to 47% of Americans go to church on a semi-regular basis. And when you compare that to other countries, you realize what an anomaly that really is and how good that really is. I mean, this is just from the latest research that I could find this week. About 3% of Denmark goes to church on a regular basis. The same is true in Russia. The UK is a bit better with about 10 to 12% citing they go to church somewhat consistently, though they tend to doubt this number because Brits are just too proud to admit that they won't go to church. Norway is at about 3%, France is at about 12%, Spain is at about 21%, and Italy, the birthplace of Roman Catholicism, has less than one in three people attend Mass on a regular basis. No, no matter how you slice it, American culture, though it itself is in trouble with our increasing secularism and ongoing culture wars, at the same time, we are still one of the most spiritually thirsty cultures on planet Earth today, and when people are thirsty, they tend to look to the Christian church here in America. In fact, you've all heard the stats. They say that 20-somethings are leaving the church in droves today. You know, Well, that's not true either. The reality is, is that about 25% of, I'm sorry, out of, well, about 25% of young people polled by a general social survey just in the last year declared themselves to be Christian evangelicals, 25%. That's up from 15% just in the 1970s. And so the reality is, is that there's a lot of hope for the Christian church when it comes to America. There's still a lot of power and presence that the church has, and there's a lot of residual strength that we can rely on and harness. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning is talk to you about how Scottsdale Bible Church fits into the bigger equation of church here in America. And I want to talk to you about the vision that our elders have for our church going in to the next 10, 20, or 30 years. Now, to accomplish this, I'm going to give you a quick lesson from the book of Acts so that we can all understand how the church grows. So if you brought a Bible, open up to the book of Acts, and I'm going to give you kind of a flyover, a, a, a brief big picture of what was going on in the book of Acts. As some of you may know, Acts, or sometimes called the Acts of the Apostle, was written back in the first half of the or first, this first century AD, and it was written by the Apostle Luke. Luke was a medical doctor with an eye for detail, and he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the book of Acts is actually chronicling the initial spread of Christianity from its formation in Jerusalem to its eventual establishment in Asia Minor and even all the way to what we now call Western Europe, Greece, and Rome. And what Luke makes very clear in Acts is that the primary way all of this happened, the primary way that Christianity was spread, now don't miss this, was through the formation and establishment of the local church. He makes that very, very clear. So really, Acts is about church and how church should function. 
And what I want to show you in this brief flyover that we're going to do of Acts right now is how there are actually a couple of differing methodologies in play as they started churches. Differing methodologies that I think you're going to see fit rather neatly into SBC's plan and vision for church as we move forward. So if you're following on your outline, I'm calling this overview of Acts the original pattern. And you will notice on your outline that there are no less than four movements in the book of Acts. The first one being in chapters 1 and 2 with Jesus ascending and the Spirit being given. That's the first thing you need to understand about Acts. It begins with Jesus ascending into heaven and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, being given to believers. This is what starts the whole ball rolling. Jesus has been crucified. He's now resurrected. He has spent about 40 days after his resurrection with the disciples and others. And then in Acts chapter 1, he commissions this small band of believers between anywhere about 100 and 130. He commissions them to be his witnesses. That's the word he uses. And he says, you're going to be my witnesses of the salvation that people can find in me in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and then he adds, to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, now if you were that small band of believers, what would you be thinking when he said that? I'd be thinking, we don't have planes, we don't have trains, we don't have mass travel, we don't have the internet, we don't have any of that, so how in the world are we going to be your witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world? We barely can think of Jerusalem right now, but God has a plan. And then Jesus ascends into heaven, and in Acts chapter 2, Peter gives his very first sermon. The Holy Spirit comes in power, and 3,000 people come to believe in Christ. Some people say that Scottsdale Bible Church has a growth problem. We don't have that kind of growth problem. That's a 30-fold increase of the church in one worship service. 3,000 people coming to Christ. Now what are they going to do? And this leads us to the second movement of the book of Acts. This is where things get interesting. And that is that the church is established and it begins to multiply. So look what happens at the end of Acts 2 when 3,000 people become followers of Jesus during one sermon. Uh, Look at verses 46 and 47. This is very interesting. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You're saying big whip. They went to church and had a few meals together. No, there's a lot more going on than that. You see, when it says there that they attended the temple together, we know from verse 42 that when they attended the temple, they did so to be taught the Word of God and instructed in the ways of their newfound faith in Jesus. They didn't have, how, they didn't have big churches back then. They had no Christian churches back then. This is the birth of Christianity. And so they met in the Jewish temple for teaching and instruction in a centralized location all 3,000 plus of them as they could fit. But then notice that it says, secondly, that they broke bread in their homes. And again, verse 42 would say, and they prayed in their homes, and they had fellowship in their homes. In fact, most commentators point out that when it says they broke bread, that's not referring to just having a meal together, that's communion. That's the Lord's Supper. 
that celebrating, worshiping Christ through the Passover meal that became the Lord's Supper that we do now on a monthly basis here at our church. And so don't miss the spiritual and church implications of this. I think in a very real sense, loosely speaking, this was the very first Christian multi-site congregation. Multi-site because they had one central location for teaching and leadership, but then, are you reading this right? Lots of other locations for outreach, pastoral care, growth, and discipleship to occur. They met in the temple to learn and grow, but they met in homes in smaller settings to do other spiritual activities. And so it was one church, the church in Jerusalem. We know that from other places in the book of Acts. That's what they referred to them as, but having multiple locations to meet and do spiritual business. And we know that they had a centralized leadership structure and teaching structure in this first mega church because in the book of Acts and in other parts of the New Testament, it tells us this. It tells us that the Jerusalem leaders, Peter, James, and John, were pillars in this church. It tells us that they rendered major decisions in Acts chapter 15 and Acts chapter 21. They even approved leadership, pastoral hires, like they did with Paul the Apostle or when they laid hands on Timothy. And so it had a centralized leadership structure and yet also had a decentralized pastoral care outreach fellowship. They were a multi-site congregation. That was the only way they could minister to 3,000 people. And so this is why today, if you've ever wondered, some churches adopt a more multi-site strategy where you have one church, but then they start little pockets of congregations throughout the city, but still keep them very tied, if you will, to the main church. It's not a control thing. We're just patterning some things after Acts where we'll have a a one church that has all the same teaching and all the same leadership and all the same unified budget, but we also plant little, I'm sorry, start little multi-sites throughout the city to do other spiritual activity, like pastoral care and worship and small groups. It's patterning ourselves after what we see in the church in Jerusalem. Now, hang on to that and notice with me what happens next in the book of Acts, because there's a third movement to this divine drama that's a game changer. And that is that the church is persecuted and then becomes scattered. And though I don't think any of them saw this coming, as you're going to see shortly, this was all part of God's plan for how church should grow. So look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. The church is thriving in Jerusalem. They've grown. They've added additional leadership structures like deacons. They've seen God's unmistakable movement in their midst. And then, as some of you might remember from Sunday school, Stephen is stoned, overseen by Saul, who would become Paul, and some other angry religious leaders. And it says this in verse 1 of chapter 8. And Saul approved of his, Stephen's, execution... And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
And then, just to, so you know that this scattering wasn't some minor thing, look at Acts 11, verse 19. It gives us even more information about this scattering. It says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Mentioning all these cities you don't know. So, so let me explain. Imagine if there arose a great persecution in Phoenix or Scottsdale. And this persecution was so strong that you were driven out of your home, that you were driven out of your business, and the only thing you could do to save your very life was to go to other places. When it says Judea and Samaria, geographically speaking, that's Sedona and Flagstaff. You're thinking, well, not too bad. I get to live in Sedona. You don't have a house. You don't have a church up there. You don't have many friends up there except other scattered believers. And to make matters worse, you hear that there are some believers who had to even go as far as Cyprus or Antioch, and you're saying, well, where's that? Utah, that's where that is. North of the Grand Canyon, San Francisco, or all the way south into Mexico. It's a huge scattering of the believers back then, and what's fascinating is that that megachurch in Jerusalem does still stay intact, barely, because many of the other believers have had to flee to these other areas. And though I'm sure that it was awful in many ways because they lost houses and their livelihood, isn't it interesting that God uses this to usher in the fourth and final movement in Luke's chronicling of the early church, and that is that the church begins planting and greatly expanding. You know, one of the things that we see in a fallen world, guys, and many of you can relate to this, is that when bad things come into our life, God is in the habit of turning those things around for his glory and our good. Have you ever noticed that? He does that. And he did that with the church. And when this great persecution came, and everybody thought, oh my gosh, everything's over, the end is coming, and all this. God said, no, I think I got a plan for this. I think we can expand the kingdom to other places that haven't heard about Jesus because you guys have now been scattered and we're going to start churches in these places that you've been scattered. It's just that we're going to have to do church in a little bit of a different way. And you're saying, what's that about? What we see from Acts chapter 8 on with that initial scattering is actually amazing. The church begins accelerating rapidly all over the Middle East into what is modern-day Eastern Europe, Turkey and Asia Minor, all the way to Western Europe, modern-day Greece and Rome. And it did so because these scattered believers ended up in major metropolitan centers and cities, at least major by their standards back then, and when they got there, they planted churches. And so they planted churches in towns like, and you can read about this in Acts, Antioch, Lystra, Laodicea, Colossae, Ephesus, Sardis, Smyrna, Corinth, Berea, Thessalonica, Philippi, and many others. And again, you're saying, well, I don't know where any of those places are. Look up here on the screen, Cactus and Venue, look up there on your screens. This is just a picture of the map that's out of the back of my Bible. You guys probably got one similar in the back of your Bible. And again, most Christians don't look at those maps because they don't get them. But, but this is a map of Paul's third missionary journey and what I simply need you to see is that the bottom right there, that's the current Middle East right now where Palestine and Jerusalem are. And that's where it all started. That's where Jesus ascended into heaven and started that, 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 that big mega church. But notice that when the scattering happened, they crossed the Mediterranean 
after going up to Antioch, and it just hugely moved north and west into what is modern-day Turkey, back then Asia Minor, stopping at all these major metropolitan cities, eventually going into Greece, and eventually even on the far left there, it will reach Rome. And before you know it, dozens of new churches are now planted that would eventually become hundreds of churches, then thousands of churches, then millions of churches. And in 1960, there would be one called Scottsdale Bible Church that eventually got planted out of this initial movement 2,000 years ago. And what's fascinating about these churches that got planted, and don't miss this, is that they had to adopt a different structure from the big multi-site church in Jerusalem. Because you see, they didn't have Peter, James, and John to do the teaching anymore, did they? And the internet hadn't been invented yet. And they didn't have HD video simulcast to the different congregations. And so what did they, what did they do? Well, they started semi-autonomous churches. They trained others how to be leaders and teachers. And then they planted these churches with their own elders and with their own teachers. And then they trained them and blessed them. And then they started other churches. And though people debate on how connected or loosely connected were these churches or not, I believe they functioned rather semi-autonomously within the setting that they were in. The reason I believe that is Acts chapter 14, verse 23, a very pivotal verse for the book of Acts. In fact, I think it's the hinge verse for, for the movement of the drama in the book of Acts. Look, look at Acts chapter 14, verse 23. It says, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Fascinating. So unlike the Jerusalem church that had it all set up and had this centralized location with multi-sites and all this, they appointed a local group of church leaders, elders, in every church that they planted. And these elders, we know from 1 Peter 5, were the main shepherds who had watch care over these congregations. And then 1 Timothy 5 says that they even became teachers in these congregations, teaching truth from the Word of God. And this would obviously be different from the highly centralized multi-site church of Jerusalem no, these were self-contained churches, little platoons that were capable of taking a spiritual beachhead all on their own. And it was awesome to see. And so adding all this up, what I see in the book of Acts is room for differing kinds of kingdom-building strategies when it comes to the church. From large multi-site congregations like we see in Jerusalem to smaller and medium-sized church plants that eventually develop some autonomy on their own because we're all following the same Savior. And as you're going to see in just a second, Scottsdale Bible has used and will continue to use both of these methodologies in reaching our community. But before we get to that, let me share with you the profound and life-altering result of what happens when any church dares to dream big and follow God's plan here. And this is the result, and that is that God's church expands its impact. And I don't just mean in some big audacious way. I mean life after life, one life at a time, the church grows and begins expanding its impact in the hearts and minds of people who need the Savior. So this is not just about starting new congregations. This is not just about starting new campuses. This is about seeing God use us to reach people for him one life at a time. 
You know, when Jesus was on this earth, he told a parable that, sadly speaking, has not become one of his most popular parables, like the Good Samaritan or the parable of the prodigal son, but it's a parable that has everything to do with the, the power and the future of the church. And so look at Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32, and dial into what Jesus is saying here. It says, He, Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Isn't that cool? You know, when I first became a Christian and started reading the Bible, I remember reading this parable, and I remember thinking to myself, I didn't know a mustard seed was really small. I had never bothered to look at one. Give me a click here on the, on the thing. And, and then when I continued on this parable, I thought, well, I, I don't think I've ever seen a mustard tree. And, and I, I didn't know it was all that big. But you see, they did back then. Like the pictures you're looking at right there on the screen, they knew that a mustard seed was a really small seed. And, and they knew that it grew to a really big tree. So big that birds of the air could come and make nests and its branches. So what's the meaning of this parable? See, I think it's talking about the church. I like how Matthew Henry, the great commentator of, on, of old, says it in his famous devotional commentary. Look up here on the screen. He says about this parable, he says, the gospel church, the kingdom of God would be set up in the world. The church is like a great tree in which the fowls, the birds of the air do lodge. God's people have food and rest, shade and shelter. Isn't that awesome? So God's vision for the church is though it might start small, just 130 people in Jerusalem, through his movement in our midst, it becomes the largest tree in the, in, in the garden. So big that birds, I think believing birds and seeking birds, can come and nest in its branches and find safety and shelter and growth and provision because that's what the church provides. And all I know is that when you grab onto this, it has the power to give you a big vision for just how God might want to use Scottsdale Bible Church in the future. Let me share with you a couple stories. When, uh, have any of you guys ever been in a church that's gone south? Raise your hand if you have. You don't have to tell me the name, but raise your hand if you've ever been in a church that's gone south. Good. Uh, just a few of you. Many of you. How, long, how many of you have been in Scottsdale Bible? I mean, this is your church that you've been at for a very, very long time. Raise your hand. How many of you don't want to raise your hand? Raise your hand. All right. <laughs> I, uh, I've been in churches before that have gone south. I've not been pastoring them, but, but in college I was in a church that was just heading south fast for a lot of reasons. And, and for those of you who've been involved in that, it's a very, very painful experience. A few years ago, about four or five years ago, there was a, a church here in Phoenix uh, that, that started to really struggle in some areas. They got a bit over-controlling. They, they, they started to just wrestle with some internal politics, and before you know it, things got really awkward and, and troublesome, to say the very least. And, and there were some very mature men of God in this church, some very mature families, and they, uh, they, they tried to weather the storm, and they tried to stay in and pray and work and do all this stuff through it, but it, it, it just wasn't going to happen. And, and so eventually, after a lot of prayer and a lot of time, they, they call it quits, but they were very wounded. They were very beat up and battered, even though these were pretty strong families. And about three or four years ago, they, they showed up here at Scottsdale Bible Church. And, and I wondered how they were going to do, because they, they'd been hurt, they'd been wounded, they'd been through a lot. Uh, but, but they quickly came to appreciate the strength 
and the maturity and the longevity of this church. They came to appreciate the teaching of this church. They came to appreciate the diversity of worship. More than anything, they came to appreciate that the love and grace that we tend to show each other. And it's been amazing for me to watch these, these few families over the last few years just heal and grow and start to believe once again in the power of the local church. Two of them just became members in the last few months here at this church. A small seed becomes a large plant and birds come and nest in its branches. See, one of my brothers here who had come here from out of town a few years ago when his wife was courageously battling cancer. I said to him one day, I said, what brought you guys here to Phoenix? And he said, well, we're here for some treatment for my wife. And he said, uh, this church has just meant so much to us, administering to us uh, during this whole battle. His wife eventually went to be with the Lord, and uh, he still comes here when he's in town. He still comes here. Because you see, a small seed became a large tree in which birds come and nest in their branches. And then we haven't even started talking about evangelism yet, have we? How about all the seekers out there? 87% of Scottsdale, that's a staggering statistic, that are spiritually thirsty. Could it be that we are a tree that has room in our branches for them to come and nest and seek Christ? One of the guys in my men's group that I meet with on a weekly basis uh, 10 years ago was a rather self-satisfied liberal Jew. And, and he was doing just fine. The only problem was his wife became a Christian. What a bummer. And so that kind of rocked his world. And, and after his wife became a Christian and started going to church, he said, well, maybe I should check it out. But he didn't want to come to church. So he started attending a Bible study in McDowell Mountain Ranch led by his neighbor right next to him. And for two years, he sought Christ in this Bible study. And after two years, he was convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. And he accepted Christ. And then he said, I think I'll go to church. And he started coming to church here. And this church grew him and ministered to him and saw him mature to the point where now he's a Christian leader in this community on the board of Scottsdale Christian Academy telling all of his other friends about how they can find a Savior as well. Because why? A little seed becomes a large plant and birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And it's one thing when it happens here. But you see, what you and I need to grab a vision for is how we can expand our impact through multi-site and through church planting to allow this to happen all over the valley. As many of you know, we started our Cactus Campus about four, what, four or five months ago, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful success. This is kind of funny. I think you'll laugh at this. Mark will remember this. When we first started our Cactus Campus, I, I was so reticent about it because I just didn't know if this would work that I kept calling it for about nine months. I kept calling it a modest attempt at multi-site because I just didn't want people to get their hopes up. And finally, the elders pulled me aside and said, you got to stop calling it a modest attempt at multi-site because that doesn't sound very visionary. We got to have more than that. And I said, well, guys, I just don't know how this is going to be. I, I've been stunned at how awesome the Cactus Campus has been in reaching a community as a part of Scottsdale Bible Church. So look up here on the screen. This is just one example of a family that's been ministered to by Cactus. And I think you'll be moved by this. This is a young guy named Nick who I don't think would ever volunteer to do a My Story, but we hunted him down and said, tell us your story because I think it will help Shay understand what's going on over there. So look up here on the screen. I like smaller church. I've always, I've always felt more comfortable at home with you know the people that you meet, and you can get up, go shake somebody's hand. You don't have to walk clear across the giant sanctuary, you know. 
As we were doing some construction here, I kind of ran into a pickle and I needed some tile taken out. And so I called Carson and I said, hey Carson, you got a little bit of time this afternoon? He says, yeah, I can come over and help and I'd like to bring a friend of mine, Nick. And so we worked side by side for several hours and it had to be 190 degrees and, and we're sweating and we're sharing about life. And so he came up to me afterwards, our first day together, and he says, you know what? I think I'd like to check this church out. And so, lo and behold, once we opened up, there's Nick. I like this old building. I think that people think of church, they think of traditional, you know, pews and, you know, big wooden beams. And I've had an awesome experience meeting new community of friends and people that, uh, I mean, are now my roommates. And I think that's pretty cool. And since coming here, it seems like there's been a lot of spiritual growth as far as, um, I mean, the word, even though it's on a simulcast, I feel like it's actually kind of like that sometimes because it's, <laughs> I always feel like sometimes the pastor looks right at you when he's talking, you know, and uh, you can kind of get out of that when he's on a screen. Um, <laughs> but then a few weeks later, I get to meet his mom and dad who are now coming. And then just last Sunday, I got to meet his sister who is now coming to Cactus Campus. Oh yeah, I didn't even tell you, my parents started coming here. Now this, camp this campus opened and then my little sister and we all come to Cactus Campus on Sunday mornings now because it's here. It started with one phone call from some tile to now we have you know almost an entire family that's now calling Cactus Campus home. So it's, it's been a real joy for me to get to know Nick and, and be able to pour into his life at a time that I think was pretty crucial for him. If I didn't start going to church here, um, I don't know where I'd be going. I don't even know if I'd go to church. There's a generation of, of people that have wandered away from the church. And so you've got an opportunity to bring them back in a maybe a less intimidating place. It's primarily why I like the Cactus Campus because it's a small little family. And the heart of this body always seems to be to go out and get the word out and tell people about Christ. And, these people are coming to this church and inviting their friends, inviting their neighbors. I love coming to church. I love, I love the relationships. I love lunch afterwards. I love, you know, the involvement. I love the, the music. I love coming here to worship. It's awesome. My name is Nick Zupet, and this is my story. I love it when Nick said I, I wanted something smaller, like, you know, Cactus is about 500 people right now, and we have it primed to be able to grow to about 1,000, but, you know, compared to this place, that is small venue right now, seats about four or 500, and we do that twice every Sunday, so again, we're, we're planting, you know, I guess smaller pockets, but it's funny when people say they like it smaller because 80% of churches in America are under 100. So right away when we start these multi-sites and venues, they're in the top 20% of church sizes in America. But, but again, they, they like that more intimate feel, and that's part of our plan moving forward. I, I want to ask Rick and Lucas to come up to the stage right now. Rick and Lucas are two of our, our pastors that run uh, right now our venue across campus which meets at 9.30 and then also at 11.15, and the Cactus Campus, which meets at 9.30 and 11.15. Cactus is over at 25th Place and, and Cactus Road. And, and I want these guys to just share with you a little bit about what their experience has been as we've done this modest attempt at multi-site and, and what the, the future might be for these. So welcome these guys up here. This is cool that they're here. What's up, man? Hi, Cactus. Yeah. 
And I just wanted to thank Lucas for dressing up. This was really uh, nice of you. I am they glad you it. took the earrings out of your ears, though. That was very respectful of you for this, this crowd. Like they kill me, and, and if I show up at the venue in slacks, they were like, they wouldn't even recognize me. Like, yeah, they what, wouldn't. What are you wearing? Yeah, they would, so, they would this think is kind of like weird. coming to see our dad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> giving a report to dad. Wow. <laughs> it's really been nice working with you, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be back next week at Cactus. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, what has been the impact of multi-site and venue? You guys tell me stories every week. Why don't you just give a synopsis for these folks? What have we seen as the impact of this so far? Sure. I mean, for me, the first thing I think of when, when I think of uh, impact for multi-site is evangelism. You know, you heard Nick's story, and, and we've got a ton of stories like that. I can tell you a story of a, of a college gal, college-age gal, that I had the opportunity to baptize last year. She was invited by a friend to the venue. She heard the life-changing message. Jesus gave her life to Christ. She was baptized. She's in community there. She's here every week learning about Jesus and, and responding to the Word of God and walking with Him day by day. And she's never set foot in this room. Never. We have a little, you know, 300, 400 seat venue over there. She goes, wow, there's another worship center on campus. Is it as big as this one? You know, she, <laughs> that's her experience of Scottsdale Bible Church. And, yeah. and so when it comes to multi-site, really the impact has been one of evangelism. And the reason that is, is because we're offering freshness in the way that we're doing church in these other venues, as well as it's a smaller, more intimate community so people can relationally connect kind of quickly. And so I think they have been really successful that way. Rick, what have you seen over at Cactus? Well, we've, we've been able to start a community over there, a real new community in uh, North Phoenix, and, and there's really been two impacts, I guess. There's been a physical impact in the sense that we took over a property that was blighted. I mean, there were weeds growing up, the buildings were, were in disrepair, and homeless people were living there, and it was just, it was a really tough corner, and transformed it completely to where it's just a welcoming place, a, a beacon on this corner, and and while we fixed all the outside lights because it was a very dark property, now there's light, and, and more specifically, there's light shining on the inside of this church that is so attractive to me because I see people on Sunday morning walking up the sidewalks or riding their bikes onto this campus. And so I see a community that's come together. And, and what Jamie had mentioned, you know, of the people that are attending there, half of those people are from that community. So we get to see our friends and neighbors. We get to invite them to church. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, when we first uh, started multi-site, obviously there were some people a bit leery about it. Would this work? Will the video thing work? And all of that. So maybe you guys can, can share with all of us here, as well as your multi-sites that are now uh, with us by video, how has the whole multi-site concept been embraced mm -hmm. by these congregations that are so a part of the DNA of Scottsdale Bible Church? Yeah, I mean, with anything unknown, like when they say message delivered via video, with anything unknown, there's a there's kind of initially a reticence, you know, but yeah. we got over it in about 90 seconds, which is pretty good, <laughs> you know. I mean, really, when, when we're able to articulate worship in different ways and experience community in a smaller environment, all the things that we're able to do at Venue and even at Cactus, you know, uh, we've really embraced it with open arms. I mean, so yeah. much so that this is our four-year anniversary this year over at the yeah. Venue. We've been doing Venue now for four years. That's yeah, very cool. Those guys over there clapping too, I'm sure. Um, it's very cool. And we saw a lot of our folks from the venue feel called to go to Cactus Campus and help seed that and, and get that started. And, and so, gosh, we've just embraced it with open arms, really, when okay. it comes down to it. 
Yeah, I, I see people who are getting involved. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a local church now. They're, it's got the look and feel of a local church, but what's great is that the heart of it is Scottsdale Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm seeing now is of that congregation, over 50% of these people are now serving on that campus. And we have monthly outreach activities where we're going out in that community and knocking on doors and, and inviting them back to this place. So for, for me, when, when I think about embracing, these people are, have owned this place. They've bought into this place. They're working there. They're serving there. And so that's the part that gives me a lot of joy. Rick, let me ask you this, just to, and this isn't part of the thing, is, you know, do they feel a part of Scottsdale Bible as a whole? I mean, for Rick's group, you know, they're on this campus. They're in another part of campus. So it's, I'm sorry, for Lucas's. Uh, they, they, they're on this campus. They feel a part of that. But, you know, Cactus is 15 minutes away, eight, nine miles away. Do they feel a part of Scottsdale Bible Church? Yeah, we, we really try and stress the point that we are Scottsdale Bible Church, that we're one church but multiple locations. I mean, we're able to take advantage of so much ministry that's done here that we can replicate or duplicate over there. We have a lot of people that come over from this church over there, and so there's a lot of presence from Scottsdale Bible. We try to promote, you know, the different activities that, that are going on at this campus, so there, there's definitely a look and feel of Scottsdale Bible, and, and really, we're able to hit the ground running with a church, a local church, and, and that wouldn't have been able to be done without having a great mother to be able to birth us yeah. there you go. into that area. So last question before we wrap this whole thing up, because I'm, I'm going to be talking to these folks who wrap up here in a second about what we're doing in the future with multi-site. Why don't you share with them briefly what is most exciting for you when you think of the future of Scottsdale Bible Church and doing more of these multi-sites? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, just out of curiosity, and Vin, you and Cactus, you guys do this too, because I want you to see what, what, what I'm about to ask here. How many of you live within 10 miles of the church? Y'all do it here and raise your hand over at Venue and Cactus. Cool, cool. Um, I don't. I live at Baseline and 16th Street down at South Mountain. And some of you are thinking, wow, North Tucson. It's, it's lovely this time of year. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's where I live. And, and when I invite someone to come experience Scottsdale Bible Church, I'm saying we, we're going to have to drive 45 minutes. Mm. We'll have to drive 45 minutes to come to Scottsdale Bible Church. Now with multi-site... It's two minutes away. It's five minutes away. It's a bike ride or a walk away. I can picture Scottsdale Bible Church in my neighborhood, and I hope you can too. For those of you who are coming from a long way away, Glendale and Mason, other places, picture Scottsdale Bible Church, the DNA of Scottsdale Bible Church in your neighborhood, and that's really what I'm most excited about moving forward. You, you know, I've seen a congregation come together, and I see people that are embracing what's going on there, and they love the Cactus Campus. And, and, I, and I say, you know, all of that that you get here could be duplicated someplace else. Mm-hmm. And, and I look out, you know, there, there was one particular day I saw a row of boys that, that, that I've coached baseball with, and I just, they're all together, and they're all at church, and some of them have never been in church before, and it gives me such... Uh, just a warm feeling as a pastor to be able to see that. And I'm thinking, and I'm trying to help our congregation see as we embark on Compelled by Grace and, and expanding our reach into more communities, I want other congregations to have that same feeling I have. I want other campus pastors to be able to look out in their community in Glendale or North Scottsdale or wherever it might be and, and know that they've reached a, a pocket of people that we just have not been able to reach before. That's awesome. So, oh, and, and, and I, I gave the uh, a liter- uh, illusion of the being birthed as a child. You know, even a big dream would be that we would potentially birth 
another child off of the Cactus campus, and so ultimately it could be the first grandchild that Jamie has. <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell him to do that. I did, I swear. Why don't you thank these guys for being up here? All right, good job. So our plan moving forward is to do more multi-site and church planting. We've seen God bless that. And, and, and that's the last thing I want to share with you here today. Uh, part, part of the whole Compelled by Grace vision that we are laying out this month and that we're going to be now going into February into a, a capital campaign for is to see resources provided to do more multi-sites and to do more church planting. And very quickly, you can see up here on the screen, there's a difference between the two. And I'm not going to go. Very quickly, you can see up here on the screen, there you go, there's a difference between the two. And, and I'm not going to go through all of this here, but, but you can read it as I'm talking there. There's a difference between multi-site and church planting. Multi-site is run and, if you will, owned by Scottsdale Bible Church. We're bringing the DNA of our church to different locations by having unified teaching, unified leadership, unified budget, but then we provide local pastors, local children's ministry, local teen, a bunch of local stuff, but tied as to one church with multiple locations. Church planting is where we take the resources that God has blessed us with and literally plant an autonomous church in another area of Phoenix. We did Desert View, North Ridge, North Bible Church, and then we released them to build the kingdom as God leads. And that's needed too because that allows for fresh vision and leadership to be fostered in other geographical areas. And what you need to know is that we have a vision for both of these things to happen here in our church over the next decade. So here it is. We want to start three to four new multi-sites in the next five years. We want to go north, we want to go south, and we want to go even further west. And though these things might be a bit smaller than SBC, and that's kind of one of the selling features for people, they're still rather large congregations. All of them will be able to hold upwards of 1,000 people like Cactus Campus. So if we have four of them in five years, that's 4,000 people that, that we've been able to provide church for and introduce to Christ. Again, a small seed, large tree, birds of the air come and nest. And then what we want to do is also plant 10 churches in 10 years. But we want to partner with Phoenix Seminary to provide a world-class church planting internship program here at our church, attract young, young leaders from all over the nation who will come and study at Phoenix Seminary, work on staff here for three years part-time as an intern, and then we're going to use our church planting fund, which we have, and other resources to plant and it might be here in the valley, it might be elsewhere around the state, it might be around the country, it might be around the world. It's our gift to helping promote church planting. But none of this can happen by funding it out of our general budget. We run too lean. When we started the Cactus Campus, that was an investment of about $750,000 to secure the site, to take that, that, that uh, shut down Episcopalian church and then pour the resources into it to, to make it functional again, start the initial staff, it's about three quarters of a million dollars. And that's what each one will cost at that level. The good news is, is that get this, they told us it would take about a year for Cactus to, if you will, to start paying for itself. Those of you who are business minded are thinking that. They've already started paying for themselves. 
four months later, it's financially even with the people that go there and the offerings, way to go cactus, and, and what would cost us to have that campus. And, and, and so we need seed money to get it started. And for those of you who do the math, if we do four multi-sites in the next five years, four times 750,000 carry the one is $3 million. And we don't have that kind of cash here. You should be bummed if we have that kind of cash here because that wouldn't be a good use of kingdom resources. No, we had enough money from saving to do one, but, but, but we wanna do more. And we need to raise funds to do that. We're gonna talk about that in February. Church planting will cost us about a half a million dollars to provide 10 church plant internships for church planting. And then lastly, what we want to do too, and I think this will touch some of you, if not all of you, is that we planted a church that was once a multi-site here called North Campus, now called North Bible Church, about a year and a half ago. We planted them. And when we planted North, people asked me, why are we planting North? And I said, well, the best way I can put it is that North is like a 25-year-old kid living at home that doesn't want to live at home anymore. In other words, they started as a multi-site, but they really developed into their own church, and they wanted to be their own church, and we needed to release them. The only problem is, is like a 25-year-old kid living at home, they didn't have enough money to be on their own. So we worked with them for two and a half years to get them financially to the point where they could support themselves, and they are, but they still don't have enough money to pay down the mortgage they have on their building. And so when we released them in 2010, the promise that I made to them is that the next capital campaign we do, we're going to take a, 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 a small amount of the money we raise, which will be a large amount for them, and give it to them to pay down their debt. And so we're going to take upwards of half a million to a million of the money that we're raising here for Compelled by Grace, and we're going to gift it to North to help them remain viable uh, and strong in North Scottsdale, where they are. And, and it will be a wonderful gift for them. So a lot of awesome things happening for Scottsdale Bible Church. What, what am I asking you to do? I'm going to close with this. I'm asking you to do two things. Pray for your church. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. And so we've planned a lot of things. We're now asking God to determine our steps. Pray for his provision, for his blessing, for his guidance, as we all journey through this together. And then secondly, I want you to pray and consider what your role is going to be in all of this. In order for multi-site and church planting to work, some of you are going to have to be sent some of you are going to have to consider, would I want a multi-site in where I live, and, and, and would I even want to be a part of a church plant? We're all in this together, and we need you to hear God as he leads you in that. So be thinking about what your role is. Even if you stay here, we're all in this together. Amen? Let's take another run of that. We're all in this together. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing in and through the local church. Uh, Lord, this has been a different kind of talk today when it comes to what you're doing on planet Earth, uh, because, Lord, this affects each one of us, but it's much big picture than we normally think. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us here today and for Cactus and the venue that, that we might grab a vision for what you're doing and what you want to do in and through this church called Scottsdale Bible. God, it's no secret that you've blessed us, and we're so thankful for the blessings that you've given us. And Lord, we want to be good stewards of that. So God, as we continue to move forward as a church, may you continue to give us wisdom and guidance, unify us around the vision that you have given us. And we pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. And we all say together, amen.
God bless you guys. Thanks.